and welcome back to Try Not to Die. I'm your DM, your daddy, Mephistopheles, Noah Perito, and I'm here with... Lisa Condemi, a.k.a. Gorgonzola. Far from my friends, my future distends. Maybe helping a fascist ascend? Oh, no! We love it. We love it. Truthful. (laughs) We love the drama. Really good. Thanks. I looked up rhymes in the lift. Nice. (laughs) When you guys texted me saying that you had done your prep today, I I've never been more proud. We did our homework. (laughs) I also looked up rhymes in the lift. It's me, Ashley Goodwin, aka Brigid, feeling shaky, about to mark an old lady, then go back for my matey. She's toast. Oh my goodness. Well, it is We're back. We're back. Thanks for waiting. I hope that you know I'd written this next line um knowing that we may have some new listeners because we are going to have a big recap now. So I hope that any of our new listeners loved that intro. That is how it always goes down. <laughs> is just like that. Imagine that. starting here. <laughs> I'll hop in. Hey, listen. I, I encourage you. I, please, please, and sign up for the Patreon. Um, so, yeah, why don't we just do a massive recap, shall we? Last time, our hero Gorgonzola Parma, savior of Paddlewick and privateer on the Feral Free, arrived at the capital of the Aurelian Empire, Aurelia, hoping to learn more about herself, her magic, and the strange wild shard that had captured her friend Scram and a seemingly evil orcish mage named Limburger the Gravedigger. There she found refuge in a quaint tavern known as the Drunken Drake, meeting the halfling tavern owner Barley Agesia, as well as a mysterious man named Smite. Exploring the city, Zola met High Priest Moss Peacewillow of the Temple of the Wild, got a clone disease from a strange rat on the subway, cured said disease at a clinic, and learned that the aforementioned Smite was a local menace-slash-vigilante known as Landscorcher, bent on destroying Imperial forces and protecting the innocent of the Outer Districts from kidnapping and outright abuse. Intrigued but dead set on having a semblance of a teenage experience, Zola applied to university under the guise of Bree Camembert, hoping to gain access to the erudite study to answer her many questions. Along the way, she stopped at the Archmage Merchant's Marfin's magnificent magical menagerie, acquiring some work to fund her future endeavors, as well as to learn more about the strange doppelrat cloning disease. Things were looking up for our half-orc hero until a changeling rogue named Trick, who had been tailing her for quite some time, managed to steal the wild shard and lead Zola in an orcish frenzy to kill a bystander. Knowing that in their hands, or in the hands of their employers, the wild shard could be used for evil, she immediately pivoted her plans to finding and securing it. With the help of Smite and financed by Marfin who sent her to acquire some spell components, the two tracked Trick through the Aurelian Necropolis. There they discovered some of the lost history of the fallen kingdom of Leoniel, as well as a bizarre malfunctioning automaton, technology supposedly alien to the world of Feyfall. Logging that for later, the two continued into the Underdark where they found Trick discussing transportation out of the city with Plebo Underpaddle, arch-nemesis of Zola and member of the Omni Malum, a clandestine organization bent on controlling the realm through the Empire. Thankfully, Zola was able to reacquire the Shard, but the victory came at the cost of Trick's life and losing Plebo once again. Taking Trick's body to the surface, Zola returned to Marfin's to drop off the components for his research, along the way asking if he can help deal with the dead rogue. 
He agreed to help for a small fee, while Zola finished the application process at the university, passing the entrance exam and learning about her soon-to-be peers and professors. There she met Archmage Flay Chantress, advisor to the Emperor and Dean of the university, who seemed overly keen on keeping an eye on our hero. Zola then met back up with Smite and his allies in the fight against Tyranny, the Order of the Fallen God, a semi-religious but mostly magic-oriented group of misfits seeking to learn about casting and the fallen goddess of magic, Mistra. After hearing the government was making a big announcement on Friday, the group decided they would attend the event to learn what their enemies were planning next, and Zola went to bed ready to take on her foes. The next day, Zola met Brigid, an elven druid from the southern jungles and keeper of the Allfire, a powerful fire spirit gifted by the gods to burn away all that prevented new, healthier growth. Brigid had arrived at the Temple of the Wild to give her uncle, Moss Peacewillow, gems to pay taxes on the church, but when she arrived, she learned he had been kidnapped. Seeing it potentially linked to the kidnapping Smite had been investigating, the three teamed up, fighting off Omnimalum agents who had tracked Zola to the Drunken Drake, seeking the crown, a powerful spellcasting focus she had taken. They took to the Underdark once more to find those taken by the shady agents, following a lead on who may be behind all the evil that's plagued their lives, an individual named Paragon. Along the way, the trio fought strange monsters of the dark, observed slime-covered walls, and even stranger, watched as seemingly random trinkets appeared before them all the while feeling as though someone were watching them. Hours of sneaking in the darkness later, they managed to track down Plebo and a drow mage named Erica Baderica, tricking them into leading the three to the secret city beneath the capital known as the Socket, home of the Omnimalu. Through a series of quick fixes and violent deceptions, they managed to escape and flee into the city itself, hiding in plain sight using Zola's Ring of Disguise, the Bag of Holding, and Brigid's spell, Pass Without Trace. Knowing they were short on time, Brigid used a special item she had been given, an enchanted bag of beans, to cause chaos throughout the city, even creating a massive tree and a pyramid containing a mummy lord practically in the middle of the settlement. Forging deeper into the socket, the three discovered admin buildings filled with information of the organization's past deeds and plans, as well as a secret laboratory where a tinkerer named Suladed Didopis conducted experiments on innocence to create weapons in order to further the Omnimalum's agenda of conquest and control. Their work culminated in the building of the Auric Army, A-U-R-I-C as in Golden, automatons powered by the souls of those captured in a technique devised using the Clone Spell, linking the organization to the Doppelrats that plagued the city and the automaton Zola and Smite had fought in the Necropolis. They also learned the entire War of the Mar and Mara was a setup. Prior to it, the Omnimalum had infiltrated many of the governments of the region, the first might nation of Formaji being the only holdout. In order to eliminate them and bring about the coup that would put the Emperor in power, they stole a sacred object from them and framed the kingdom of Leoniel. Eventually, this led to both of their destruction, the establishment of the Empire, and the fleeing of the First Might's forces north of the Ouroboros Mountains. These forces had been led by none other than Zola's mother, Motorella, who apparently was the daughter of their chieftain, making Zola heir to the Orcish throne. During a rest in the supply closet, Limburger once again spoke to our hero as she drifted off to sleep, revealing her title, Stregorede, or Witch Heiress, as well as once again offering his assistance in saving the imprisoned. She refused to free him, though he hinted that he felt he wouldn't be held long. The shard was becoming corrupted, and the ambient magic in the cavern seemed to warn of his potential escape. Zola slept, knowing yet another fuse was nearing its end.
While in the lab, the three managed to save Brigitte's uncle Moss Peacewillow, a tiefling bard named Sleepless, and a hobgoblin named Nob before their souls were removed. Altogether, the group took over the building and planned their escape, deciding on splitting up. Moss and the two recently saved would head over and stabilize the tree so they can exit using a powerful teleportation spell called Transport via Plants, while the trio would raid the central column known as the Pupil to save the rest of the captured people. As they left, Zola told Moss she would ensure Brigid would make it out safely no matter what. Ominous tidings of what was to come. Infiltrating the pupil, Zola listened in on a meeting of the Council of Lords, leaders, or at least their representatives, of the various regions within the Empire. While spying, she was finally introduced to the leader of the organization, a paranoid monster known as Paragon, a cycloptic, spherical aberration with ten twisting eye stalks. They learned of the plans to burn the jungles of the south, march on the nations of the north, and instate Zola's friend Quince's dad as a new member of the council in lieu of Lord Craver and Eaglebottom. Before they can learn more, Stillen, whom Zola was using to spy, was spotted by the ever-vigilant Paragon. Though he tried to escape, Dean Flay Chantress managed to catch and analyze his pied hide to realize Zola, or as she knew her, Bree, was nearby. While Zola and Stilton were spying, Brigid and Smite explored the garden they had discovered, finding a strange ecosystem kept alive by brightly glowing crystals similar to those they've seen other places in the Underdark. When Zola joined them, the trio found that the garden was a prison meant to keep a golden-haired woman known only as Paragon's pet hidden. Persuading her that they were not enemies, but allies who could assist in her escape, she teamed up with them, and together they managed to defeat the few guards watching the captured citizens, fleeing out into the streets of the socket to meet up with Nob, Moss, and Sleepless. They found them at the base of the massive tree and stone pyramid, battling for their lives amongst the debris of the broken buildings against the ever-increasing forces of the Omnimalu. Thanks to the element of surprise that bringing a massive mob of people gave them, the trio managed to break through the barricade and team up with Moss to tear open a portal in the trunk of the tree. In a grueling ten rounds of combat, they managed to hold the hordes of drow mages and grimlocks threatening to kill the citizens as they fled, even convincing the newly dubbed NP to join the fight, revealing her to be a young gold dragon and, with a nat 20, the sacred item taken from the Formaggi to start the war. Thanks to each of our adventurers donating their energies to the Druid Priest, Moss was able to keep the portal open long enough to get all of the living citizens, Brigid, Smite, and a mysterious elderly woman out of the Undercity. However, in the presence of such a vast magical energy, the wild charge surged multiple times, causing a wave of raw magical power to radiate out from Zola, leading to absolute chaos. Before Zola and the NP could flee, a drow mage summoned black tentacles from the ground to grapple them, and Zola was forced to toss Moss through the portal before it closed, leaving her and her new draconic companion stranded amongst the recovering forces of the Omnimalu. And that is where we are right now. Brigid, you flash through the swirling green portal and find yourself entering not into the Temple of the Wild, but onto a small grassy island surrounded Fuck. by a near still lake. Fuck. Behind you is the tree you left here through at the start of your journey. Fuck. You look around, the massive redwood-esque tropical tree circling this portion of the Lago de Basso, blocking out most of the morning sunlight far above and to the east, casting long shadows out on the water. It is significantly warmer here, and the thick, humid air hanging around you causes a bit of foggy mist to float off of the surface of the lake. High above you, you hear the sounds of buzzing insects, 
whistling birds and large leaves rustling. You are home. You're back in the jungles of Veridantes. Fuck. All around you are the confused and weary citizens of the Empire, about a hundred or so folks of all kinds in gray rags and broken chains looking out onto this vast, unfamiliar forest with a mix of awe and fear. Jerry and Chrysalix amongst them, mouths agape. Pyre is snarling, shoving people out of the way, singeing their clothes a bit as she searches for the old woman you saw rush through. Smite bloodied his mask practically dark burgundy red from the horrid injuries he sustained in the last battle, stumbles through the crowd. Oh, Brigid! Brigid! Oh, God. Uh, he rushes forward and wraps his arms around you in a huge hug, his metal arm a little bit heavier on your shoulder. I thought I was going to lose you. Wait, wait. Where is she? Wh- where's who? Where is she? Where's that woman? Um, as, you're Pyre. As, as you're asking this question, um, there's a, a final flash from behind you, and you see moss tumbles through onto the ground before you, right before the portal. <laughs> shuts. No! And Zola is left on the other side. Pyre, like, runs up to you. Pyre, where is she? Where's the woman I sent you after? She doesn't, she doesn't. Can I do a perception check? Yeah, give me a perception check. First roll of the new arc. Pretty good, too. 24. 24? Tell me, where is she? <laughs> you look through this mass of people that are coding this incredibly small island. Like, everyone is here, like, practically clutching to each other to keep themselves from just falling into the water. You look out through and see, standing at the very edge of the island, looking out with a bit of wonder, is this older woman. She has pallid skin, dark black hair that's kind of raggy, kind of framing her face. She's wearing a a hooded cloak, similar kind of attire to everyone, but you notice she does not have any sort of chains on her wrists or anything. Um, She, honestly, she kind of looks like that illusory um, piece of art that if you look at it in one angle, it looks like a young woman, and then you look at it in another angle, it looks like like an old crone, so to Mm -hmm. speak. She has like a very long kind of hooked nose, and her face is mostly being covered as she kind of like looks around out there. I use Thorn Whip and I grasp her and pull her towards me. Um, yeah, sure. Roll an attack. Yeah, sure. Roll an attack. Yeah, sure. Roll an attack. It's 15. 15? You whip out with your Thorn Whip, conjuring it from the, the ground that you are so familiar with. And as it goes towards the back of her head, you watch as she casually raises up a hand in a purple pink arcane bubble shield just blasted off she slowly turns to look you in the eye and you finally get to look at her face as it slowly transforms a sly smile spreads across it as she reveals herself to be a gorgeous woman with pallid skin bright eyes lined with hypnotizing red eyeliner cheeks rosy rouge black hair tied up in a tight bun she wears scarlet robes with the golden fist clasps and a glowing pink crystal in the center of the necklace that seems to swirl with a hypnotic twist standing before you is archmage flay chantress and though you don't fully recognize her here, Brigid, because you haven't had a lot of experiences with her, Smite immediately grabs his blade and looks at her. You! Um, I guess Polymorph. You know what? She is going to try and counterspell. It's a fourth level of Polymorph. Fourth level, so she has to roll. She's going to do a casual one. Um, I got to add her intelligence modifier. Just Hold a on. fucking silent battle from two sides of an island as like a hundred 
like stunned people stand around. <laughs> Literally, the moment that you like throw that thorn whip, you see a number of people like kind of scatter out of the way, screaming. But Flay shrugs. She manages to counterspell it. Fuck. And I kid you not, she rolled a nine on the die. She has plus five to intelligence. You raise your hand to cast this polymorph and you begin to see like the sparking kind of white magic around your hand. Um, but she again just snaps her wrist and it breaks away in your hand just as if as if the words and the, the knowledge of the spell kind of fades for the moment. She smiles at you, smiles at Smite. And as he reaches for his blade, you see that the pink gem flashes and slowly but surely he takes a breath <sighs> everyone around you who is not a fae takes a breath and you watch as they all are immediately calm the chaos that you had just begun to rise up in them quells as Dean Flay Chantress just looks at you smiling well this was quite a surprise high priest peace widow you are a tricky one aren't you Moss is practically being like held up right now by Nob and Sleepless, and he's like petrified at this imperial powerhouse that has just managed to sneak onto this side of everything. Uh, how, how did you? <sighs> you see Flay's smile like sours, and everyone mirrors that emotion as well. It's as if they're tied to her now, including in, Smite. Uh, including Smite, like he has his mask on, but you see his like physicality switches from that relaxed to kind of like a more tense shoulder kind of shift. Did you really expect to escape so easily? The grunts of the Omni Malum might be overwhelmed, but I am not so. I prefer to watch the field before I make play. Tell me, who here is in league with Bree Camembert? Sounds like a fake name. Um, Someone mutters from the crowd. <laughs> yeah, you see Crystal goes, oh, I don't know, that sounds kind of fake. Um, she, <laughs> you see Flay continues to just kind of look around. It would not be easy to take you all back. And ultimately, this is but a minor inconvenience on the road to conquest. A thousand soldiers have already been constructed, and souls exist in abundance. You may have won the battle, but the war... The war has been over for quite some time. She turns back to you, Brigid. Don't you think it would be easier to just... submit? Give me a wisdom saving throw, with advantage, because this is a charm effect and you're an elf. <gasps> That's two fucking two nat fucking 20s, nat Noah. Do I get smite back for that? You, you watch as she, like her eyes flicker pink and there's this moment where you, you realize that she is casting a spell, but it has so, it has no effect on you at all that as she completes it, you, for the first time in this entire interaction, watch as she legitimately looks like angry shocked. Like her, like her, her nostrils flare. She's not just sourly kind of like, ugh, you guys are disgusting, you're pathetic. She's actively shocked and angry. And it dawns on you why only the people who are not fae, whatever effect that she puts off, 
almost automatically affects creatures that have no resistance to it. I think Brigitte in this moment is like furious. Like after that polymorph and hearing what she's had to say, knowing that like everything that we've just gone through is essentially futile, that they have thousands of other soldiers like waiting in the wings and regardless of the hundred the hundreds plus people around her i think that the fire inside her is like so stoked right now and i think pyre is reflecting that actively growling at her as she stands like probably 30 feet from you or so and i would even like I would say that, like, I can, I feel like Pyre can feel everything that I'm feeling Mm -hmm. and knows what I would want her to do next. Teleport and rip the pink gem (laughs) off of her and teleport back to me. I'm going to say that, you know, she does a kind of controlled fiery teleport, so there's not, like, a splash damage of fire as she appears suddenly right in front of the Dean. Um, Let's do opposed grapple checks. Strength modifier, which is zero. Oh, thank God. I also have zero pure roll. Yeah! I don't like this. I don't like it. 13. 2. <gasps> you watch as she dives onto the chest of the Dean, sinking these burning claws into her skin. She howls out in pain and falls back onto the ground as Pyre bites her teeth into the gem and begins to tear it off. Um, it is now the Dean's turn. <sighs> off and you watch as pyre slumps over and disintegrates into ash as she uses power word kill (gasps) to eliminate her the fire in your earring glows once again the all fire is still within you but pyre has been extinguished she brushes off her there's immediately blood is pouring but you see it mixes with the red of her robes it doesn't show too well but you see that she is injured she slowly stands what dog have you in this fight elf what if i told you that if your people bent the knee to the emperor we would spare much of the life of the jungle we would take what is needed to further the glorious law of Aurelius, and there would be plenty left for you and the other now loyal citizens of the Empire. What's in this for you? What isn't there? Endless power, endless control. But it's not you, it's Paragon. Paragon? You sincerely think that Paragon is in control? I pull out my recorder. I'm live streaming all this right now. No! (laughs) I'm on Insta Live. I'm on Twitch. Are you Twitch streaming right now? Um, she she shakes her head and you see that the rest of the people around you kind of slowly tilt their heads down as if kind of dejected. No, uh, Paragon thinks that she's in charge. And as I said, I like to learn the field before I make any plays. We will keep Paragon in place and I Who's can continue. Who's we? Well, I mean, me and the organization... Me and the Empire. So your plan is to take Paragon's place? My plan is inconceivable for the likes of you. And maybe someday if you join our side, Elf, I'll let you be privy to it. But for now, how about you yield control of the jungles? Perhaps when everything is said and done, you'll have a modicum of it returned to you, but... 
For now, wouldn't it be best if you It's just... not mine to give, so therefore I can't. So I guess we're at an impasse. <sighs> Bitch. I see. Well, if you resist the peace that I offer... I'm not resisting anything. I'm just telling you the truth. It sounds like you're being a little resistant, if I'm being honest. I can't give this to you. If you want it, then take it. Then I shall. And I shall do so with lightning and iron. And you see, as she raises her hands, lightning begins to gather around it. Then suddenly she turns and has to throw up another like purple-pink arcane bubble as a blast of flame explodes off of it. You watch as a number of the citizens scatter, some falling into the water, others kind of just cowering on the ground. We're still reflecting the, essentially the reaction of Flay um, as she turns and looks out onto the water. You follow her eyesight and see, walking Mom. across the water, <laughs> your mother, High Priestess, Cardamon Wild Spice. You'll have to speak to the manager, and that's not me. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. You see the stunning, though strange form of High Priestess Cardamon Wild Spice, satyr druid of dreams and leader of the Zuhat Zendaria, the Elder Green. Long gray-black ram horns twisted out and back from her forehead. Her elegant, dreamy, druidic robes catch the wind and flicker like the leaves of a tree. A few butterflies flying out from underneath it. She looks at Flay with the kind of fury you yourself have not seen in probably decades. Um, This is the look of a ram ready to charge. Your kind is not welcome here, human. Leave this place at once or face the wrath of the eldest wood. Flay matches the gaze of the satyr and smiles charmingly. Ah, high priestess of the Elder Green, it is a pleasure to finally make your acquaintance. My name is, and she gets cut off with a raise of Cardamon's hand. Bitch, I know who you are and what you <laughs> seek to do to this garden of life. Leave now or I shall gore you with my own horns. Flay rolls her eyes. Very well, goat. I cast Entangle, it's my turn. (laughs) It's my fucking turn. Uh, What did she roll? Strength saving throw. (laughs) It's not her best. 17. 17? (laughs) Holy shit! That's what you get! That's your save? You stupid bitch! Strengths here, okay. Um, let's go with the nice dice. Yeah, pick your little dice. Pick your little dice out. Suddenly, the vines and roots that are embedded into the ground of this island wrap around her legs and begin to pull her down. Ugh! How primitive. Well, I look forward to seeing if you change your mind, Keeper. And then she teleports away. Are you kidding me? What a little bitch. Just going to the dry cleaners, get the <laughs> oh, grass stained. Did she out. really? She, was she, she teleports she into, back into her office. Someone get my dry cleaner. <laughs> so she, what, did the entangle work? Oh, she failed for sure. That actually legitimately entangled her, but she just was going to oh, teleport out of there. There is this this silence there, and you watch as the audience looks up at you slowly the effects beginning to fade as dean flay chantress leaves this area and you see that there are tears forming in their eyes like as if this mental prison was actually having a tax on them that they were sitting there just you know co-pilots in their own body 
as you're just like you're you take a deep breath having all this happened you stood your ground which is more than anyone on this island could um and as you kind of take that breath you see your mother begins to bound over the water i run towards her oh my darling are you okay oh my god what happened i only just heard from frankie and jacob and you see these two pigeons flutter down onto her shoulders and nod and coo at you you can't you can't speak with animals right now but you know that their coos are coos of respect and acknowledgement um oh my sylvanus you look hurt come here she hugs you as only a mother can and casts heal on you gives you 70 hit points right off the bat 70 70 heal is a very powerful spell i didn't think i need that much (laughs) she she the mother's hug that she gives you is so powerful that she heals you to full oh sorry I put in the damage, and then the little dead guy's face showed oh. up on the D and D Beyond. I was like, "Wait, wait, what? You no, I too killed much. myself. You healed too much. <laughs> if you had, if you heal oh, over, you die, <laughs> explode with life." Seventy. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna go up to full. Okay, nice. perfect. Yeah, you feel Thanks, all mom. of the wounds that you have sustained in this battle immediately heal up. You feel though though magically drained and maybe physically tired, you have no more aches or pains. Um, she, she hugs you tightly. It's so good to have you home. Ah, I'm, I had just heard about, oh, my, Moss! Um, and she turns and rushes over to Moss, who's like just barely being held up by Nob and Sleepless. Um, she gives him a hug and casts Cure Wounds on him to give him some health. Oh my, it was quite, quite a hectic journey. I, I can only imagine what you've been dealing with, and... Why you may have brought hundreds of random people here. Mom, listen. When I got to the city, I met the most incredible fighter. Her name is Zola. And right now, she's in the Underdark, fighting for her life with a dragon that we met, who is really important to us now. I have to get back there. Is there any way you can teleport me back down there? Sweetie, I wasn't planning on transport via plants until tomorrow. I'm sorry, I don't I don't think I could get it to you before the next I don't know, maybe that's by sundown I well, could get what, you back. What do you mean? Like can we like hold hands and like uh, think really hard about it and can't we like really try and like put out like every ounce of our uh, Honey, like, honey, honey, take a breath. Take a breath. No. We can't do that. That's not how magic works. Don't we know someone who could do that? What about Honey? Listen, you're injured. You're all injured. She, like, speaks to the group. We should... You need rest. You need healing. We need to go back for Zola. I told her I'd be right back. Hold on. Come, come. She she takes you into a hug. Um, You see Smite kind of shuffle over awkwardly. Uh, pleasure to meet you, ma'am. Uh, I hate you right now. My, na- uh, my name is Smite Altrui. Uh, my friends call me Lance Scorcher back home. Uh... uh I, uh, Brigitte Brig is just the best. She's just the best. Uh, we, and she's right. We, we gotta get back there. I don't, I don't know if there's anything you can do or if there's any, any sort of, anyone. Brig is just crying in her mom's arms. I'm sorry, honey. I don't have it prepared. If I, I'm, I'm sorry. I had no idea that this would be the situation. Look, let us take everyone. I mean, clearly these people are in distress. We need to bring them somewhere safe. Wait, Smite, give me your phone. Uh, sh- sure. Uh, here. He pulls out his speaking stone, pass it over to you. I call Marfin. Okay. 
What do you say to Mark when you have 25 words? Let's copyright it. Wait. Help. Zola trapped in under dark. One word. One word. You're good. Sick. She is alone and needs your help. Can you go get her? There is also a dragon. Text back. <laughs> Thought maybe thank you. <laughs> Text thank back. Thank you for a receipt. <laughs> Brigid. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Wow. That was five words. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'll see what I can do. It's going to burn a few spells, but I can see if I can get to her. You can spare it. Also, I'll give you more diamonds. <laughs> um, this is coming through as he's saying his other words. Also, a dragon. Is it a good dragon? Okay. Yep. Good right. dragon. Yep. Diamonds. Okay. Get a move on. Okay. <laughs> um, he, you know, with that, that you've sent that message. Um, hopefully he will be able to respond in time. Though we don't know how much time has passed on the other side of things. Texting your drunk friend at the bar's boyfriend. Be like, can you come get her? Get her. <laughs> Please. She needs help. Capital can't put her in a cab. help. She will puke in the lift. Well, I believe Do we Do you all... know Marfin? No, I don't know a Marfin. But if he was worthy of that call, oh, I'm sure pretty... that he was worthy of it. He's pretty cute. Okay, I'll take that into consideration. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, uh... Is this, like, I shock, think, tr- like, when yeah. you're in trauma, you're I like, think Brigitte is, like, fully really dissociating <laughs> now. Like, okay. that she's, she's, fake, she's realized that, like, with one first-level spell slot and, like, no access to Pyre or access to, to Zola th- hundreds and hundreds of, of miles away, there's literally nothing more that she could do. And so now she's going to dissociate. Smite puts a hand on your shoulder. We're going to figure this out. First and foremost, I've literally never been outside of the city, so this is pretty crazy, and I'm sure a lot of other people feel that way. I'll watch over them. Just take the time to get to feel to take you know. No, take a no, few I'm breaths, fine. Or, I'm fine. I'm fine. You don't I have to be Brigid, fine. This is fucked. I think that Brigid turns to the people, or like wipes her eyes and turns around and faces the people. And as the keeper, I think that she feels like a, a deep need to also be hospitable in a way and to welcome everyone to her home and to not crumble under the pressure um so i think that uh she kind of after saying that about marfin she kind of is just like well welcome to the jungles of the veridantes this is my home um for those of you who don't know me uh, which is all of you, because I've never met any of you. Um, my name is Brigid, and I am the keeper of the Allfire. This is my home. Uh, yep, like I said, the jungles of the Veridontis. Have, have Raise a hand if anyone's ever been here. Not a single Anyone from out of town? It's a comedy show. Get me out of here. Got it. Oh my Everyone God. from out of town. This is my mother, as you saw before. She is a, she runs the place. She gives a very a very princessy wave to everyone. She is my mom, Carmen Wildspice. Um uh I uh uh Ex- excellent work, honey. Yeah. Everyone, if you will follow me, I let's, will take you Let's go eat. Uh, yes. let's we, rest. Yes, I will take you to Elder Green Haven. We will find a place for all of you to get your wounds healed and your bellies filled, and we will find a way to deal with this scenario, alright? 
and you see some people throughout the crowd kind of shaking off the shock of the situation. And you see Nob kind of takes a step forward. Hey, uh, you lead the way, Keeper. We got you. And, like, winks at you, Brigid. I, like, nod my head and I, like, put a hand on my heart. Thanks. Yeah, let's go. Um, your and mother- I make sure, like, you know, if she's leading them, I'm going to keep, like, bring up the rear and make sure everyone's kind of shepherded. Okay. You watch as she raises a hand and one of the massive, like, sidewalk-sized roots of these trees slowly raises itself, connecting this island to the, like, essentially almost, I almost, like, half a mile distance from it to the shore uh, maybe even further just this huge network of these massive roots begin to tie together and raise up like a little bridge and she leads you all across it into the jungles and we are going to cut back to our other hero below the golden streets of aurelia back to the underdark city known as the socket Below the pastel crystals in a choking cloud of poison gas, the roars of a young gold dragon wrapped in black tentacles echo throughout the city as the hordes of Omnimalum agents who had been battling against the freed citizens and hit with an insane amount of raw magical energy attempt to recover. Zola, you hear the flash of the portal close behind you, the bark once again hardening, leaving you stranded amongst the scorched and bleeding corpses of allies and enemies. The effects of the shards still resonate around you in the form of nonsensical displays of change. Shifting color, slight temperature rising and falling, agents vanishing, transforming into different creatures or objects. You see like a Grimlock just like transforms into a little boot, falls to the ground, and like reappears as a Grimlock, like kind of these fluctuating little moments. Crazy. You yourself actually still feel the effects of the pixie dust on your skin. You still kind of feel almost a little lighter than air. You also hear uh, not only the the vast chorus of sounds that is just coming from the hordes of people recovering, but also their thoughts. Everyone within 30 feet of you as the detect thought spell is still up, and there's just like all of these varying voices of like panic and anger and pain as these individuals recover. Two drow mages have managed to resist the effects, it seems, one man and one woman holding at the edge of this toxic cloud, just like probably 10 or so feet away from you. One of them, the man, is concentrating on the cloud, and the other, the woman, is concentrating on the black tentacles that grasp and burn at your body. The shard, still a strange, cracked ball, has begun to cool quickly, though it is still warm in your hand as you struggle to kind of pull yourself from these tentacles. It is your turn, but at the start of your turn, you take 3d6 damage from the tentacles, um, which I did that out already. It's 11 damage. Okay. I mean, we took a little break, and I thought that we were going to come back strong and maybe be friends this time, but I understand. Yes. It's un- very clear that Noah no longer wishes to be our friend, either of us. It's exceedingly oh no. clear to me. <laughs> um, then you're really going to hate me for this next one. I also need you to roll a constitution saving throw because you are still within the poisonous cloud. Um, that is a DC 14. I've already rolled the damage, so just okay. tell me if you get it. Con. Con. 10. 10. You take 18 damage. Holy shit. I have one hit point. Just like the last time you were in the Underdark. Oh my god. I you knocked me down to 19 with those with, tentacles and okay. then the poison cloud knocked okay. me down to one hit 
Who they rolled, and I kid you not, it's five d eight. They rolled exceptionally low on that, so that was a very lucky damage roll, even if it doesn't feel like it. You are standing in this choking cloud. Next to you is this, you know, the large, probably twenty foot in length, but taking up you know ten foot kind of space. Um, that uh, the golden dragon form of NP, who is snarling against these burning tentacles. It is your turn. What would you like to do? Gorgonzola struggling and slapping a black tentacle off of my face. Uh, I uh, tilt my head up and look in the air 30 feet above me and just misty step to the middle of the air and hope that I will stay hovering afterwards because of the pixie dust. Oh, okay. I love that idea. I, I fucking love that idea. Um, first, um, and this is not something you could have predicted, please roll a d20 for me. I understand. Wow, you're being so good. <laughs> wow, no one better give you a treat after this because you're being so good. I've been a very special, <laughs> been a very brave little girl <laughs> to talk sounds. I'd like my treat, please. Ten. Okay, you focus in and and then reappear thirty feet up in the air, hovering perfectly. You still have your action. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah. Don't forget it. Um, and here's your treat. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm going to look over uh, at NP and say, don't worry. And then I'm going to chill touch the mage who is holding on to uh, ah, the black tentacle spell. Trying to make her break concentration. Yeah. If I can, or at least put her away. Yeah, go ahead and make an attack. 15. 15 is gonna hit. And you know what? She is not, I mean, it's a cantrip, so to her, she's like, <laughs> what do you think of chew touch? Oh! Um, just watch me misty step? I mean, what else are you expecting? Six damage. Six damage. Okay, she has to roll a DC 10 con save. I am gonna roll. No healing, bitch. <laughs> no healing, bitch. That is a 16. The tentacles hold in place. Um, she snares at you. A good try, but it is over for you. That is your turn. Um, and let, I mean, you technically have 30 feet of movement if there's anything you'd like to do with it. I can fly. Yeah, you have pixie, You can fly fully right now. You're 30 feet up in the air and you have uh, 30 feet of movement left. I will start. Don't worry. Throws a cantrip. <laughs> throws an icy little sad cantrip and then just backwards floats. <laughs> Another fucking 30 feet just backwards like a weird ghost towards like <laughs> Like where the tunnels are, I guess. Okay, so kind like of towards um, back, like, like the east entrance. East. Yeah, where I came from. Okay, in you hopes that I can maybe just like ditch this whole situation with NP. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. NP <laughs> looks at you. Um, give me, I guess, a persuasion check. This isn't gonna have huge negative consequences. It's just to convey. Seven. Seven. I should have never rolled the Keegan dice. <laughs> Um, she, she looks at you, she's been in kind of a rage, right. but she looks more like a confused, scared rage right now. Right. So if anything, she's just not fully understanding what you're doing. It's not like she's like angry at you, but she's kind of just like, help, help. Like if you were to read, I mean, you can read her mind, detect thoughts. You hear her surface thoughts, which right now are very simplistic. Just like help, pain, help, pain. I look at her and just whisper, I know Brigid is gone, but I know my way out of here. You say that, it is now the Drow Mage's turn. I'm gonna roll d20s for them. 
Okay? Okay. So, their spells rain up without a problem. I think I should maybe ground you. Uh, give me a dexterity saving throw. Uh, Gorgon Soul gets really defensive. <laughs> like a teen... Because I'm not a teenager. No, it you doesn't... ground me like a teenager. It's a joke about lightning! <laughs> it's a lightning bolt to you. 14. That technically saves, but you are at one hit point. So, the bolt misses you, but, like, just glances off you enough to... <laughs> shock you from the air. You begin to fall to the ground, but as you fall, you <sighs> blink back into consciousness as your relentless endurance kicks in. I'm going to say that you do not continue to fall because you had mo- moved up a bit. Um, it didn't end the effect just because yes. I went unconscious. Exactly. So, um, I had one hit point. She looks still. What? What the fuck is that? Um, I can keep doing it too. <laughs> um, and you see... Um, the man who has been, like, she's still concentrating on Edvard's black tentacles, keeping that. Um, you see, he goes, if you want to leave, perhaps we shall take it out on your friend. Um, and he casts a lightning bolt on NP. Um, who I believe automatically fails her Counterspell. (laughs) Um, (laughs) counterspell. Okay, hold on I one second. I don't have it, sorry, guys. Disadvantage on deck save. Okay. Even with disadvantage, she still passes this save. She is just so strong that, honestly, the lightning bolt directly strikes her, but you watch as it kind of scatters against her metallic scales. Um, still conducted, you know, because she's a gold dragon and gold conducts, but... You can't electrocute lightning rod. You can't, baby. Uh, she just takes in that energy and screams in anger. It is now her turn. And she has her fire breath back. She got it back at the end of the last session. Let's go. How's her strength? Um, How's her strength? Her strength is pretty good. But, you know, I think she's going to rely on a different way of getting out of it. Um, She and breathes a cone of red, white, orange flames onto these drow who are just standing there holding this spell. Um, They roll deck saves. Fire and ice, baby. Gorgonzola has her wimpy little. <laughs> You're so It's like a melting icicle as I'm floating in the air, like half unconscious. <laughs> Fire and ice, baby. Um, they both fail their deck saves. Good. Good. Get him in, B. Ooh, boy. Okay. 36 damage. The flames pour over them. You see that there are a few Grimlock just kind of scr- like getting up, recovering, and they just are immediately turned into cinders. Um, when the smoke clears, these two I mages... <laughs> yes. Um, when, <laughs> when, the two, when the smoke clears, these two mages are still standing, but you see that their robes are burnt, their skin is bubbling. They are in bad, bad shape. Okay, top of the round is technically the Grimlock. They are still recovering, so you know what? I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna roll a group wisdom save and see if they can act this round. They are not very intelligent or wise creatures. Um, They're ones no offense, that weren't fired. <laughs> yes, these these are all the ones who weren't directly in the gotcha. cone. Because for the record, anyone who was in the cone is gone. So okay, wisdom saving throw. That is an eight. So as of right now, you just like. This is that scene from Saving Private Ryan on the beach where there are just people like like holding themselves together, like climbing to their feet, like people getting like falling back down as they try and stumble forward. It is just carnage. 
Um, that is their turn. Next up in the round is you, Zola. Wow. Well. It, yeah, it happens that fast now. <laughs> I haven't seen Saving Private Ryan, but I could picture it. <laughs> um, hey, at least it's bad. Let me tell you that. It doesn't look good. <laughs> Um, did they roll concentration? <gasps> Great point, Lisa. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, first one, concentration, fail. Second one. Was that the cloud or that one that one was the cloud. This one was the this one was the tentacles. A seven and an, a nine, and the half damage of thirty-six is much lower than that. Uh, or much higher than that rather. Um you see as they're like stumbling back, the tentacles t- like disintegrate into like dust um the cloud slowly begins to disperse and float away they have dropped these two spells your turn gorgonzola knowing that she cannot make any kind of stand here as she will most certainly die uh or be captured and cause np to be captured looks across all of this insane magical fray uh, makes eye contact with NP and is going to uh, message her and say catch me if you can the exit is east and I think just start sinking towards the ground hoping that NP can like swoop under her and maybe get them away more quickly like I'm just gonna kind of keep floating back okay. and downwards as you have already experienced, NP can detect other people's thoughts as well. Oh, so right. you thinking to her and having detect thoughts up, she can hear you. Again, it's very, very like single word kind of mm-hmm. feelings from her mind right now, but you're able to convey that message without having to use an action. Cool. As I am starting to um, sink through the air, um, I will try and she'll touch that mage again. Fucking hell yes. (laughs) Go for it. The lamest turns, honestly, in the history of D&D, but Lord, do I not have a lot. This is what you gotta do. All right, 19. 19. Or 18, I'm so sorry. 18 is gonna hit. Okay, cool, sick. That would've been so sad if you're like, oh, no. 10 damage. How does your chill touch kill this mage? And which um, mage were you killing? Because they are both at the same hit points. Right ah, now. okay. I will kill the one that had the tentacles up because I don't want that to happen again, even though I assume the other one could likely do it as well. But mm-hmm. I already chill touched her, so I chill touch her again. Um, as um, she's smoldering uh, fire, I send a beam of ice at her uh, and just kind of weakly... Um, put out the fire, and then she just <laughs> succumbs to her injuries. And Gorgonzola probably thinks that she did it, but it was really the dragon. <laughs> the chill touch hand just fully just, essentially by Got the her. time it hits her, she dies from the injuries. Um, I'm an NP. I'm getting real tired up here. Okay, that is one of them down. That is going to be the other one's turn. Sister! He screams out as his sister falls gotta establish these familiar relationships before they die. <laughs> They're all related um, or dating. They're either related so or dating. This happens so many times where like in the process of us destroying some of your NPCs, you're like, wait, uh, but, but you have to know the relationships they had together before you <laughs> kill them. <laughs> Audio dramas get really boring if I'm just saying, and they die. Next person up, and they die. So but, they were go, but they were twins. But they were twins. And they were roommates. Ah, my sister, she was also my roommate. 
roommate. How will I pay rent? <laughs> um, he, now I'm in crisis. <laughs> he raises his hand. Actually, before any of this happens, let me roll a d20. Okay. He raises his hand, and a number of these black-purple darts shoot out and knock you out of the air. You are unconscious as he casts Magic Missile and automatically hits you. The missiles hit. You feel your vision fade, and you go unconscious. As you go unconscious, you find yourself back in that temple. Things still frozen around you, the vast hall opening up, not a bit changed since you last visited this cathedral stuck in time. The book you toss still floating in the air above the pews nearby. You look towards the fountain where the statue once stood, and you see the statue is gone. Back in the material plane, your body begins to fall. I'm gonna say that the pixie dust is a magical effect, so you do not plummet fully, so you're not gonna take fall damage. Your body is essentially just like limply hanging in like zero gravity unconscious right now. Um, also, the last intent of my turn was to make eye contact with NP and be like, this is ending, catch me if you can. Got it, okay. It is now, um, because that was the drow mage's turn, it is now NP's turn. You are unconscious, huh? and you unfortunately don't know what's happening. Okay. Uh, it is now your turn again. Give me a death saving throw. Okay. Eleven. Eleven. That is a pass. Another round goes by. Give me a death saving throw. I'm in this temple, and the. F- you are. And the statue is gone. Yes, you are still in this temple. It is. The air is chilly, but. Kind of, again, everything feels very still. There's not a lot of movement around. Do I feel time passing or no? It is hard to describe the feeling of time passing. I would say that you do not feel frozen and the fact that you can perceive your reality and think about it means that you are not, you are experiencing time to an extent, but it seems like the region around you is not experiencing time. Mistra, are you there? I could use some help. 15. 15. That is another save. And there's someone who needs your help even more. Another round goes by. Give me another death save. <clears throat> Mistra. Anyone here? Eight. Eight. Two saves, one save. You still are kind of standing in these halls. I imagine you kind of wander a little bit, looking around, calling out for her, seeing if she'll answer. I wander towards the fountain. Okay. You approach the fountain. It looks definitely different. Is it It, frozen? Is it full? It was. When you last were here, it was as if it were mid-burst and everything was frozen, like you could touch the water. The water is no longer in midair. There is still water around it. It's not like it like like evaporated, but it seems like something has happened here since you last left. It's not fountaining, though. It is not fountaining. It is still definitely dealing with that time stasis kind of thing. But it's it's as if, and I think Zola would kind of get this even without having to do any sort of check. It's like last time you were in here and you cast a spell magic, you disrupted the temporal flow of this area. Yeah. And thinking that, give me an arcana check. Okay. I think Gorgonzola wandering up to the fountain, 
knowing that she, maybe her physical body is close to death and wounded, scraped up, parched from searing dragon fire, um, dips a hand into the water of the fountain and takes a cool sip. 14. Okay. This is kind of mind-boggling levels of magic. They're not exactly sure of why things might have been changed because of what you did. You're not really sure why it was stopped in the first place, but you certainly know that what you did is the reason why things have changed here. Like the fact that the, the statue on the fountain is gone and the fact the fountain itself has ceased being like fountain-esque means that you have altered this area. Meaning you clearly have an effect on this area. Another round goes by. Give me a death save, fail. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> give me a death save, fail. Give me a fail. Are you fail fucking me. kidding me? <laughs> fail for Jesus me. Christ. Ten. You didn't give me my fail. Okay. It's my third save. <laughs> That's your third save. You stabilize. So rude what you said. I'm... I feel like I'm at my rudest today for some yeah, reason. Yeah, you fucking jinxed yourself, Ed. As me, baby. I lean down and splash my face a little bit in the water, clearing some of the blood and soot off of me. What do you think Zola is feeling right now, specifically about the future? Zola is stressed right now, feels responsibility for all of those people, feels responsibility for... Marfin with the crown and NP left behind. She is like straight up probably like crunching numbers in her head, like falling through the experience of death and life itself and still being like, okay, maybe if I run to there, then I could. Maybe if NP catches me, then she could wake me up. Or maybe if I cast this or I could ask, I don't know. Like just racing, mm -hmm. but totally calm on the exterior. You're just surveying this scene, and you feel the weight of the shard in your pocket. It's still with you. You still have it here with you, despite like you and you pat your other stuff. You have your tusk, but most of your other stuff isn't with you right now. It's just the shard and the tusk. Another round goes by in the in the real realm, um, and you are still here. Is there anything you want to do? You don't have to do anything for the record. I just want to make sure I give yeah. you this opportunity. Thanks so much. Thank you. I think Gorgonzola feels... Does Gorgonzola feel her body stabilized? Does she feel like, uh, oh, I'm not dying right now. I'm just an in-between place. I think that Zola doesn't know that right now. Okay. I think that the maybe the biggest comfort that Zola has is the in-between place, though. Being okay. like, okay, clearly I'm not in oblivion that yeah. I'm here. So I think she feels the shard, the weight of the shard... Uh, in her pocket but feels almost like bringing it out here would be like wrong or corrupting in some way and so she just unsheaths the tusk in one swooping motion walking past the fountain looking around the halls tip of her sword dragging on the ground behind her goes hello trying to find an alternative besides um, unleashing a cataclysmic Magical force. Anyone want to help? 
you keep wandering you wander past the fountain past the pews to like the nave of like this temple that is here up and past these massive steps behind it that you remember traveling through before you walk and walk and feel that change in temperature the the rush of cold air from the outside as you step out and again look out onto this island that seems to be ever shifting going through different weather patterns you see like a, a thunder cloud crack on the horizon lightning go down and then kind of back up into it you see some snow falling in like just multiple directions around you anyone home just me i guess give me an arcana check okay that's the closest I, thing to I a... pat my back pocket for my <laughs> cell phone <laughs> you surprisingly Maybe don't I feel could. it You only really know of one god and that like that you had committed your life in any degree to and that was Shantea. So Mistra and this whole aspect of divinity is very different for you. Yeah, I also um, definitely didn't dedicate my life to Shantea. <laughs> yeah, that was not this a definitely hard. did some like weird <laughs> plays in middle school and then was like, oh, I'm not really religious. Not my thing. Um, so you like you're focusing with your mind, which is how you tap into mm-hmm. magic and how you tap into power above. You're thinking and it really feels like there's not a lot of other options for you, at least at this point. Your options are wait, just like last time you were here, wait until it changes, or use the shard, find a new way to use the tusk. There's, I'm gonna say one more round is going to pass. Mm-hmm. You can hold and wait, or you can do something, whatever you choose. Gorgonzola can be hot-headed. Mm. And she, she does see this future, walking around, looking at the walls. No sound, except for weather. No one to talk to. No sign of whether she's dead or alive. And she pictures vividly in that moment, taking the shard out of her pocket and yelling, why won't you answer me? And just throwing it off of the fucking island. Um, and... Instead, she just sits down and watches the lightning storm and waits. Okay. You see a future where you do that and you resist the anger and urge to just give in to that frustration. You hear something almost incomprehensible, mumbled, almost sounding like, hello. And as you turn to go look, you feel your eyes fluttering and you look up and you are back in the Underdark. You see the form, this massive golden dragon form over you, blood pouring down from the massive lacerations on her body and peace standing over you just blowing just plumes of fire out at the slowly but surely gathering Omnimalum forces. You are outside the gates. She seems to have picked you up and managed to get far, but you see many of her wings have like huge ballista bolts in them. She's, her mouth is just like spitting up blood. It honestly looks a lot like that scene in like Princess Mononoke with the big boar kind of trying, Mm -hmm. trundling through like its wound just pouring out its viscera. Um, She looks very fucked up. You look up at her as she stands over you, feeling like maybe all hope is lost. Looks like I got here just in the nick of time. Fucking took you long enough. You see hovering probably like 120 or so feet off Marfin in all his glory. 
wearing a bright white and periwinkle robe, his golden eyes glinting. There was a lot of fucking interference getting here. So sorry about that. Hmm, this will not do. Um, he looks at the forces that are gathering, these, these Grimlock, these Drow. You see a number of mages, like, immediately raise their hand. He's just like, ugh, just pathetic. And he raises his hand, and you watch as slowly but surely all of the people around you guys begin to kind of float weightlessly, rising high into the sky. You see some of them, like, scrambling, trying to grab onto things. He goes, no, 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 stay good. I cough blood out. I was just about to send you a text. Excellent. So, uh, you see he slowly begins to descend down to you. Um, essentially rounds are passing, so you watch as, like, someone reaches up. One of the mages still floating, tries to cast something, and he counterspells without even looking. Shall we get out of here? <laughs> Please! Alright. Um, we're gonna have to talk about this one. And he points to the the massive bleeding form of NP. She comes in a more transportable form, too. I was hoping so. Um, he places a hand on both of you, and then no, size. the world swirls around you as you are teleported from this space and reappear in the back room of Marfin's magnificent magical menagerie. Have I ever told you you're the best contact I made in this damn city? I'm sure you're going to tell me a thousand more times, my friend. We are going to cut back over to Brigid. Far south of here, High Priestess Cardamon Wildspice leads our other two heroes and the mob of a hundred or so folk they saved across these algae-covered roots as they continue to reveal themselves. The lake is massive, but the roots of the trees stretch through it almost like gradual slopes of sand. And it's actually one of the features of this lake is the reason why it's so big on a map is because its waters stretch into the forest. The forest just grows from it. So you make your way across, walking onto this the forest floor, scaling up a large route that you recognize acts as a sidewalk, but you see other people are kind of unsuredly approaching things and someone's like come on come on puts a hand out to like give people boosts and it's like <laughs> helping people up as people follow you along these massive routes deep 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 into the jungle the noises and smells of the forest waft over you a cacophony of fauna flora and fungi that live here the people are in total awe some are afraid cautiously walking on the mossy wood trying not to fall others smile relieved by the vibrant life that exists in stark contrast to their previous surroundings. Your mother continues following these braided root systems, the few critters nearby, no matter the size, pausing as she goes by, as if to pay their respects to her. Looking ahead, you see that this root path connects to a sort of road between these massive trees, leading to a set of stone stairs carved into the ground, up to this massive stone structure with a number of elegant segmented spires coated in vines sprouting orchid-like flowers. It is structurally similar to our realm's Angkor Wat, but it differs in a number of ways. The stone ornamentation has curved fey elements, and it clearly has been built to both accommodate and utilize the flora and fungi that inevitably would grow over the stone. The front is lined with pillars wrapped in vines and covered in moss, and behind this it opens once more to what must be a large inner ward, rising above it all the central structure, a dome constructed from a number of massive Veridontis trees woven together to form a circle 
the cathedral-like top built utilizing the old branches. As you approach, you begin to see some of the folk who live here, beautiful dryad men and women, fae features that seem to blend with the foliage of the forest, fairies, pixies, leprechauns and sprites, like almost like oversized fireflies kind of buzzing at the edge of your group, glowing and slowly approaching, following after you as you lead this massive crowd of strangers into this holy place. A few others, halflings, wood gnomes, lizard folk, rabbit folk, and other dwellers of the woods stop and watch this crowd, led by their high priestess, approaching this sacred site. An air of fear and suspicion are palpable between the two groups, though the presence of this leader and the keeper of the Allfire stills any sort of active animosity. As Cardamon steps onto the stone steps, you see a large orcish man, your father, Blue step out from between the thick trees and begin to walk to meet you halfway. He is a towering figure. With Vitiligo, he's got like light green, dark green kind of patches throughout his skin. He has this huge bushy beard that stretches all the way down to his chest. He wears kind of patchwork um, hide armor um, and carries this absolutely ancient looking like great axe covered in these opalescent runes. He just like casually holds it with one hand behind his back as he approaches. High Priest Cardamom, High Priest Moss, Keeper Brigid, welcome. Who are these strangers that you bring to the Haven? Father and I genuflect. He genuflects back. These are prisoners of the Aurelian Empire. And I I look at him kind of like, this shit is fucked up, and let me tell you all about it. I look around as all of my people are looking towards the three of us for, like, some kind of guidance and what the fuck is going on here, and I realize that, like, I alone <laughs> have most of the answers and it would make the most sense for me to speak up unfortunately so I take the responsibility and look around at everyone and I say my people the Aurelian Empire's leadership is not what they seem in the last 24 hours I learned more than I've learned all 68 years of living the Emperor is being controlled by a horrible beast called Paragon. Paragon has imprisoned these people under the city, deep under the city, in a massive compound in order to extract their souls to put inside of massive metal atrocities. Their plan is to use these weapons to invade not only here, our home, but all of, all of Emeralia. You see gasps <gasps> echoing throughout not only this main group, which does have a, a genuine grasp of what you're saying because they experienced a lot of it, but also just the, the, the force folk, they witness this, they hear of the threats to their home, and you know that the thing about the forest is that it almost defends itself one of the reasons why the empire hasn't been able to penetrate this far into the wood is because they just can't get past that first layer of trees they just are repelled by it whether it's because of the people who patrol there or because of nature itself just kind of <laughs> practically whacking them away so most of these people have lived almost in complete 
completely unaware of the possibility. Isolation, just like completely removed and safe for a good reason. There was no threat that they could conceive that would be able to stomp through their wood. And you being here, their keeper being here and telling them that there is a significant threat beyond their borders is enough to shake them. Even those who clearly have lived very, very long lives. Blue looks at you with a a now very serious, solemn face. We must speak to the elders then and talk to them about what is to be done. I want to be clear. Nothing is going to fuck with us. You are all safe for the time being, but their magic is powerful, so we need to be vigilant and we are going to have a meeting about that. Give me a persuasion check. Like my dad said, with the elders. (laughs) So I am going to go now (laughs) with my father. And everyone else should return to their homes. And don't worry. You feel Smite's hand grip yours and squeeze it. You're doing great. Uh, Give me a persuasion check with advantage. I squeeze Smite's hand back. Um, I have a very clammy, sweaty hand. (laughs) He's gripping with his metal hand, so he doesn't even notice. (sighs) Persuasion, you say? Yes, and you do get advantage on it. Because these are your people, and you hold a modicum of respect amongst them. (laughs) 21. It's my new favorite dice. (laughs) (laughs) The people, still scared, kind of share some looks and nod. um, And you see that the refugees who you have brought um, look to you with weary but still existent hopefulness. Your father nods. Welcome, weary travelers. Come, rest in the shade of the Elder Green, and we will tend to your pains. Especially this one with the head injuries. And he points at Smite, who has pulled off his mask, and it just says, like, blood is pouring down his face. It looks like the scene from Carrie. (laughs) He's just absolutely drenched in blood. Nice to meet you, sir. I'm Smite. Yes, we will do introductions another time, young man. He turns. <laughs> I can't believe you brought him home to see the parents. Um, I didn't know we were going home. Meet the wild spices. Um, <laughs> meet the wild spices. Um, there's the sound of heavy footsteps as you see a familiar to you, Brigid, Furbolg, this tall, giant-like figure with almost cow-like ears and nose, verdant green skin and hide robes decorated with woven vines and the same symbol of the Elder Green. She gives off a more adorkable vibe. Um, <laughs> she's kind and friendly, though clumsy, um, often a bit behind the ball. Her name is Magnolia, and... You, this was the, probably the closest person to a friend that you've ever had here. Maggie! Um, she goes, oh, <laughs> it's so good to see you! Um, and she she runs out, and you see she's carrying, like, a bunch of different, like, glass vials that seem to be filled with, like, various mushrooms and stuff. She's, like, carrying them all. Oh, my God. I, I, Brigitte, I have, I, it's so good you are back. 
I have been spending a lot of time of late with the fungi fields and I've discovered a bunch of new types of mushrooms. Ah, you will love them. Some make you feel very weird things. Um, others taste really good and some, some, some taste good with ants. And I've been using all of these different things to heal and help people. Um, and Blue is like, <clears throat> and Magnolia like spins and looks at him and a few like mushrooms like fly off of her and like shatter on the ground. Why don't you take these injured folk and bring them to where you are healing people and maggie's like oh <laughs> of course of course uh, if you all want to come with me come with me yes 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 um and she just spins and <laughs> thunders away um heading like into the into these kind of tree-like pillars and to the left heading towards like the the hospital wing of this area um can i actually um keep crystal with me to go to this meeting with the elders as like a representative of the refugees. Yeah, what do you say to Crystal? She's hey. like walking by. Hey, hey. Um, oh, what's up? You're a friend of Zola's, right? Oh yeah, Zola and I go way back. <laughs> We're besties. Um, that's great. Is Jerry also there? Um, yes, Jerry is also there. I'd like Jerry to also come. You see, he where was. Where was Jerry in the Dean Fly Chantress fight? Yeah. <laughs> Where was Jerry? He was in the tree lining up his shot, my friends. He just didn't have the time. Oh, man. Um, she, she teleported. <laughs> I must get used to this weapon. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, hey, so, yeah, you guys you you guys know Zola and Spicer with me, so I'm sure he... It, yes, uh, the, these are fellow members of the Order of the Fallen God. Would you guys feel comfortable... Um, talking about your experience with the elders so that we can give them more as much information as possible you guys were certainly down there longer than we were oh and you see crystal looks to smite and smite nods i give you full permission to just spill it all just tell them anything you know <laughs> all right crystal just i'll you gotta just tell them everything my head hurts so fucking much uh, <laughs> crystal's like Oh yeah, it looks really bad. Statue of secrecy, <laughs> fully fallen. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. I can. I can come with, and I'll help out. Thank you. I would really appreciate that. Of course. Um. I'll. I think Jerry should maybe stay and get some healing. Oh, we're all gonna get some healing, and, and right. And right. You're, we're all gonna rest before this meeting. We're not okay. going there right now. Okay. Right good. Now. Like we're good. we're gonna. We need to take care of our bodies and, right, and right. take a deep breath. And uh, oh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can we do that together? Actually, of course. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. So Useless. Really, really good breathing. Thank you. Yeah. No All right. Jerry, I... Jerry, are you breathing? <sighs> yeah. Bigger, deep, deep down into the. I think he's in a fugue state. We should probably just go lie down. But yeah, we're down to help you with the meeting. Okay, why don't you go be with your people, and, and, and when the time is right, let's I'll come grab you. You got it. Not like in a kidnapping way. No, I, I, I understand. I, I, Listen, I, I, I'm sorry. it's fine. I, I, you know. Did not upset me. Okay, okay. I wasn't even thinking it. Okay, sorry. You- and then I made you think it. So I, again. But, hey, again? All right. But clearly, you were got a lot going on right now, so it's, you know, yeah. you also were traumatized. Uh, and that's okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I traumatized. <laughs> Maybe, you know, um, uh, uh, okay. it turns around and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> you walk away. Um, they kind of gather with the group, slowly moving after the bounding furbog form that has like kind of vanished into the, the tree pillars of this beautiful temple. You follow after, and as you're, as you're kind of walking away from the group, you feel a large hand on your shoulder and turn and see your father, Blue, looking down at you. I am thankful to see your return, daughter. I'm sorry that it was worse than we had imagined there. Yeah, you know, you were, you sent me on an errand. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna drop something off and uh, really didn't turn out that way. Yes, I can see that. Not blaming anybody. You know, it's my job. Yes. Like, it's fine. Listen, I'm fine. You, you certainly deserve time off, if that's what you're asking for. And to clarify, you did very, very good work, and I'm very proud of you. Thanks, Dad. He pulls you in with a big, strong hug that, like, cracks your back a little bit, and then, like, pats you. All right. Now let's go take a nap, huh? God, I wish that were me. Yeah. Let's okay. go take a nap. He puts his arm around you. Um, you see Smite, like, waiting for you at the top of the stairs, kind of holding back behind the group as they head off to the medical wing. And you follow. And that is where we're going to end our session today. And don't annoying. Welcome back, babies. Oh my Thank God. you for listening to this episode of Try Not to Die. Did not miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, everyone. JK, JK. Oh, thank you for listening. Thank you especially to our Eldritch patrons. If you would like to become an Eldritch patron, go to patreon.com slash try not to die pod. Hey, please go do it. I love this thing and I want to make it my job. Please. So please go and support us. Help us crank out that musical episode. Oh, yeah. We are dangerously close to the musical mm-hmm. episode, Dangerous, folks. Dangerously Jeez. close to the musical episode. <laughs> um, and also, right now, there's like an some incredible content up there right now I'm, I won't say it because who knows but I believe that the most recent content search should be up and bam, bam, baby it was a doozy <laughs> baby someone's DMing and it's not this little bitch over here I, I lost all my power with the headphones on <laughs> snatch oh my headphones snatch. oh my glasses <laughs> oh, it was a blast please go sign up it is so much fun to listen to Um, and thank you for rejoining us for book four arc four of the podcast we're we, here we are here we we're are here we're very queer very queer this is the 49th episode so we are rounding up on our 50th filled with fear filled with fear <laughs> um, need a beer <laughs> need a beer and i think we'll end it here so thank you so much for listening until next time try not to die, to die. try not to die <laughs> <laughs> All hail our Eldritch patrons! Especially Anita, Ashley, Becca B, Becca M, Colleen, Eclair, Alana, Emily, Jacob, James, Kate, May, Morgan, Nat, Nicola, Paige, Roni, Sahara, and of course, our producer Patty, Patrick Brandstetter, and producer Daddy, Rose Evelyn Campbell. We thank you for these podcasting powers and promise to raise hell in your names. Till next time, try not to die. 